wherever you go, magic will follow you. This is episode 41 of Magic and the Law of Attraction with Madame Pamita. Hello everyone, I'm your host Madame Pamita and you're listening once again to Magic and the Law of Attraction the podcast where you'll learn how to transform your life in magical ways to make it the very best that it can be. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 41 of Magic and the Law of Attraction. Why are herbs used in magic? Well, plants of all kinds are used in magic. Trees, flowers, roots, leaves, herbs, but why? Why do we use them in magic? When we talk about herbs in spells, we're really talking about all plants. So why are plants so integrated into our magical practice? Living plants, dried plant matter, indoor plants, outdoor plants, edible plants, poisonous plants, they can all be a part of our practice. And in this episode, I'll be talking about why and how we can use these magical allies for amplifying our spells. So before we get into that, I just want to give a quick announcement about some news coming up. This December 29th, I'll be teaching a class on magical cleansing, spiritual cleansing. My spiritual cleansing workshop is going to be held through Catland Books. So if you'd like to sign up for that class on the 29th, just go to catlandbooks.com, look at their events page, and you'll see a spiritual cleansing class hosted by yours truly. And I hope to see you over there. It's a really fun one, very good intensive. We'll learn about all kinds of cleansing, cleansing yourself, cleansing your space, um, cleansing other places outside, inside, everything, cleansing your tools. I mean, we'll go over all of it. And it's a great way to start out for the new year with everything fresh and clean and cleansed. So We'll have a lot of fun in that class. So go ahead and check it out. Go to catlandbooks.com. Go to events and you'll see the um, spiritual cleansing class that I'll be teaching on the 29th. So let's jump into today's topic and talk about the power of herbs. So herbs and magic. Herbs and magic go together like peanut butter and jelly. What can I say? Whenever we look at spells, almost all spells, I would say the vast majority of spells, have some herbal component in it. And why is it? Why is that so? Well, because herbs are one of our many spiritual allies. Oh, spiritual allies. They are there to support us in our magic and in our intention. Now, this concept of working with herbs really goes back to the most ancient times. We can find, you know, artifacts and information and archaeological finds. We can find tablets by the Sumerians, ancient Chinese texts, and so on that talk about using herbs both medicinally and magically. So we're going to talk about that. The alchemist physician Paracelsus is the kind of the person that we think of when we think of herbal magic and using herbs medicinally in the Western European tradition. Now, he came up with this concept that he called the doctrine of signature. The doctrine of signatures was, for him, the proof how as above, so below. You know, there's that um, concept that if we can think it, if we can dream it, or if it is out there in the cosmos, or as he may have thought in medieval times, that this was God's creation, 
brought down to earth. This is an ancient, ancient concept, but he's really the first one that we can find talking about the doctrine of signatures. And that's a, that is a phrase that's very important in magic and in herbal medicine. The idea is that we could look at the plant and that the plant color, the plant shape, the way the leaves looked, the way the flowers looked, and so on, would give us a hint as to how we could use it medicinally or magically, right? So if we find, for example, a heart-shaped leaf, like a violet leaf, is shaped like a heart. And so we think about heart-shaped things and we think about love, right? So if we have a heart-shaped leaf, we could use that plant for love magic, for example, and violets are definitely used in love. He had the same, Paracelsus had the same, he said, an astronomica magna, the expert must know how to recognize the virtue of all things thanks to the signs, be it an herb, a tree, a living being, or an inanimate object. What he was saying there was that there would be signs that the plant would give us in that sense of herbs, that plant would give us that would tell us what it could be used for magically. And he also said, as you see, every herb has been brought into the shape that is akin to its inner nature, right? So as we look at the plant, we can see what it's used for. And that's the doctrine of signatures. And so much of our plant magic, our herbal magic is based on that doctrine of signatures. He also had this concept of like cures like. So if something looked like a heart, it would cure the heart. If something looked like a lung, it would cure the lungs. If it looked like an eye, it would cure the eye and so on. So we see this actually playing out in our herbal medicine, right? So today we know that reishi and chaga fungi, these mushrooms, have been proven to have strong anti-cancer properties and they look like tumors. The way they grow, they look like a tumor and so they're used on tumors. Another example of that is eyebright. It's not an eye. It doesn't look like an eye. It's a plant that resembles an eye and is one of the most effective herbal medications for conjunctivitis, which is pink eye, right? So this idea that the plants would tell us or give us a hint, whether it was divine or whether it was mother nature or whether it was intuition, however that information came to us, that the plant itself would tell us what it would be used for medicinally in our bodies and magically. This concept, however, has existed long before Paracelsus even wrote it down because we know that people were doing working with plants medicinally and magically since really, really prehistoric times. One of the things that I love, there's a, a, a Haitian folk herbalist, Jacqueline Guiteau, and she said, the doctrine of signatures is how the medicinal plants introduce their healing powers to the healer. It's like we're having a conversation with the plant. It's an amazing thing to think about. It really is something very, very magical and it will help you to start seeing the connection between plants and magical things, not just physical healing, but magical properties of those plants. Now, it wasn't just in Western European medicine that we see plants being used medicinally. This has existed all over the world and as I mentioned before, even written history. 5,000 years ago, there was a story, a legend that an emperor called Shen Nung 
who is the father of Chinese medicine, and he experimented with plants and trees, and he came up with hundreds of herbal remedies in his cache. And from that information that he gathered, they say that the Pen Sao, which is the original textbook of Chinese pharmacy, was created. So his research and study, that legendary emperor's study, created that original textbook of Chinese pharmacy. At the same time that was happening, the Sumerians were recording magical and medicinal spells on cuneiform tablets. But we know that the vast majority of people were doing magic with plants and doing medicine with plants as well. Wise women, cunning men, shamans, healers, they weren't writing down their information. They were sharing this as an oral tradition. So the master would teach an apprentice, and then the apprentice would become a master and teach the next apprentice, and so on. And this was taught orally. It was taught, you know, because the vast majority of people didn't have the ability to write. It wasn't until really the 1800s and 1900s that we started having more people that were literate than illiterate. So this information was out there. It just wasn't being recorded. Now, we think about the ways that wise women and cunning men, shamans and healers were using these herbs. They were using them for healing the physical body, but they were also using those magically. And it wasn't as if one was in one section and one was in another section. The two really were blended very closely. We might look at, say, for example, someone who had a wound even, and the wound wasn't healing, and there might be a magical problem that would be addressed by the magic as well as the physical healing problem that was addressed with with herbal healing, you know, as well. So it really, these two, magic and medicine, were very integrated until I would consider about the late Renaissance times where we start to see people dedicated only to magic and separating magic and uh, separating medicine and spirituality. So we saw people practicing medicine and medicine only and not really looking at the spiritual side of it. This division was virtually complete by the 1800s, the 1900s, the early, you know, the late 19th century, early 20th century, we really started to see that division be complete in some areas. Now, my grandparents, my grandmother was a healer. She was a Znaharka, which is a healer, Ukrainian healer. And she would do magic on, you know, situations that were medical situations. She also you know, turn to medicinal things as well and other healers as well. But she was practicing that and that was in the early early 20th century. And this still has existed in many cultures, more, let's say, folk cultures, not so much in the big cities, but in, you know, rural areas, we still see magic being um, combined with medicine and has just squeaked by with, you know, some little thread of that connected. In some cultures, it's stronger. In other cultures, it's virtually wiped out, but we still see some of that, but it's not quite as strong as it was 150, 200 years ago. Now, why do we see this magical plant um, concept that we work with plants magically? Well, plants really allow us to enter into other worlds. Plants, as you know, carry life force in them. And plants have an effect on us. You know, that effect can be very radical and very apparent, you know, or it can be very subtle. 
You know, it can be, for example, you know, taking a medicinal herb can really have a dramatic effect. It can make you vomit when you need to vomit something up, or it can be a diuretic, or it can have make you have hallucinations, or it can give you energy. I mean, there are all kinds of effects that plants have on us, and ancient people saw this and understood this. But we also have subtle effects, and I think ancient people were much more attuned to the subtle effects of plants. Now, these effects that are subtle can be used magically. We can use these effects magically. Think about it. You know, when we we do things like forest bathing, which is a rather new concept, at least it's new to us in American culture, but that idea of forest bathing, which is that you walk through a forest and that you're breathing those essential oils of the trees and the decomposing trees and so on are going to have an effect on your spirit to make you feel more at peace, more at ease, more centered, refreshed, energized, and so on. So we can use those. That's just one example of that, but we can use these effects magically. Absolutely. And we can go back to people who may have been more in touch with the plant kingdom to learn what they learned about plants. Now, plants are also very, very useful in our magical practice because they are our spiritual allies, as I mentioned before. I often mention this concept of spiritual allies because it's a really important one. I am a new thought spiritualist. I am a folk magic person. And people will sometimes say, well, new thought, which is law of attraction, how does that mix with magic? I mean, that's the name of this podcast, Magic and the Law of Attraction. How do those two go together? Those worlds have seemed to split apart when actually they should belong together. In my opinion, they should be together. So new thought ideas, which is that you can create with your thoughts alone, that you can focus your attention in a certain direction and attain a certain result, is a phenomenally powerful tool. But the reality is that when we are focusing on something, we most people get a little wobbly in our focus, right? We go, I want that thing. Oh, but I don't, I won't be able to get it. I'm not deserving will I get it? What if I don't get it? That person over there has it. Oh, that's so unfair. We go off on all different kinds of tangents. And when we are focusing our thinking or trying to focus our thinking. So that's when we bring in our spiritual allies. So when we do a magic spell with a candle, with an herb, with an oil, with a bath crystal, with a powder or anything else, we are bringing in tools that will help support our work, just like friends will help support you. The analogy I always use is like if you walk into a party where you don't know anyone and you walk in by yourself, it can be a little daunting. But if you walk in with some friends, you feel supported, right? Well, that's what these magical allies do, our spiritual allies do. They support our magic. So just like a friend who's gonna, who's like, don't worry about it. It's all going to be fine. You're going to get it. That's what our plants do for us. And when we work with them magically, all of our spiritual allies do actually. So You want to bring that group of friends to your magic so that when you go, I want to achieve that goal, can I achieve that goal? The friends will keep the energy of going toward the goal, keeping it going forward, right? Now, they also think like, you know, when we think about plants and think about these spiritual allies, can you just bring any plant along for the ride? I guess you could, but there are plants that have specialties. Like, so when we think about plants, we could bring any old plant into our magic, but it's kind of like having friends who have special skills. If you have a friend who's a musician and you have a friend who's a builder 
and you need your roof fixed, you call your builder friend. You don't call your musician friend necessarily. If you need entertainment at your party, you call your musician friend. You don't call your builder friend, right? So that's how I think of the way that we conceive of these allies that we're bringing in. Some are better suited than others to the magical intention that you're working on. And so it's better, it's easier, you'll get a better result if you use those um, spiritual allies that are aligned with your magical intention. Now, you want to choose the right herbs for this spell, but there are a wide range of herbs that are possible for almost any topic. So it's not like there's just one herb that you can use for a thing. Some might disagree with me on that. There's lots of herbs, for example, that you can use for prosperity or lots of herbs that you can use for spiritual cleansing or for protection and so on. But you want to pick maybe the ones that are specifically aligned with your magic that you're trying to do. So for example, we think about love herbs. There are lots of love herbs. Cinnamon, rosemary, rose, patchouli, juniper berries, bloodroot, adam and eve root, periwinkle, marjoram. There's so many beautiful herbs that we can use for love, right? But you can use any of them and just throw it in your spell and not know specifically how it works or what it does and be fine. You know, it's going to support love no matter what. But if you want to choose them for their specific characteristics, you can drill down to get to really deeply understand those herbs. So for example, juniper berries, we use those in spells for sexuality and sexual luck and to, you know, to get lucky, right? Or periwinkle, we can use that for deepening a commitment or a bonding with someone. Rosemary can be used for attraction and also gives you a little bit of an upper hand in a relationship. Marjoram is great for peaceful relationships and bloodroot is great for commitments, deep commitments. And patchouli is fantastic for when you want like a real sensual love, a real sensual, passionate relationship. So these herbs let us customize our spells. If we know a little bit more detail about what that herb is for, we can really get very granular and very detailed about our spell work. And we can also mix and match. So for example, maybe we want a sensual love, but we also want a very peaceful relationship. We could add patchouli and marjoram for to our spell to bring that outcome. So we can really customize and make our spell very unique by bringing in different herbs. But if you want to just do a love spell and you don't want to learn about all the herbs, you can just generically pick any of those and they will support a love outcome. Now, plants also have another quality about them that is very powerful. And I think this is what ancient people understood when they were so close to nature and had such a deeper, richer understanding of the plant kingdom because they were around plants all the time. They were dealing with plants. They were interacting with them. They had a much richer experience than we do in our 21st century life. Plants allow us to enter into other realms and other consciousnesses, consciousnesses, (laughs) let us go into a different type of consciousness. So the concept that shows up in Scandinavian, ancient Scandinavian paganism, in Slavic paganism and Celtic paganism, we see the concept of the world tree. Now the world tree was conceived of, it's it's kind of um, a concept of this tree 
that we are sitting in the middle of the tree, right? In the trunk of the tree, you would say. Down below are the roots that go down into the lower world. Up above are the branches that go into the upper world. So the idea was that the person who was the spiritual worker, the shaman and so forth, could could traverse up to the upper world or down into the lower world via this tree, this figurative tree. And so the idea that plants would connect us to these other realms and other states of consciousness is a very, very old one. It goes back eons. And we can see this idea that plants have a different consciousness. They have a different connection. And when we connect with the plant world, we have access to those realms as well. Now, in a minute, I'm going to tell you the ways that you can bring the magic of herbs into your spells and your spiritual practice. But even after this episode is over, you might have questions about working with herbs in your practice. So I want to tell you about a way that you can meet with me for free and ask me your questions about spells, the law of attraction, spirituality, witchcraft, Slavic folk magic, spirits, divination, and more. Join me on Sundays for the live podcast recording and for extra bonus content, a live Q&A after the podcast. It's free to join and all you have to do is be a member of the Spell Squad. And to do that, all you have to do is sign up at spellsquad.com and I have fixed the thing. So now if you sign up at spellsquad.com, you will get the link to join. So if you tried before and it didn't work, I fixed it now and you should be able to get that link and you'll get an email with all the information. The um, live Q&A takes place every Sunday, except for the first Sunday of the month when I hold a paid workshop. And it takes place at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern. If you'd like to see past episodes, you can check them out on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash madampamita, or you can listen to the podcast by going to magicandthelawofattraction.com or searching for Magic and the Law of Attraction on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. So go ahead over to spellsquad.com and sign up today and you will get an email so you can join the Spell Squad, get a ton of free goodies and join me with a cup of tea and download some deep spiritual knowledge and ask your questions too. That's always the fun part. It's always fun in our little clubhouse and I would love to see you there. All right. So let's talk about how you herbs can be worked into our magic in so many ways. Well, first of all, If you'd like to connect deeply to the herbal kingdom, to the plant kingdom, I recommend starting with growing a plant from seed. Growing a plant from seed is really powerful. If you're mindful in that practice of growing a plant from seed, you're going to experience amazing connection to that plant. So if you find a plant that's like a magical plant, say basil, for example, or marigolds or... um, Oh, gosh, any number of herbs, thyme, uh, rosemary, and you name it, all the herbs have magic in them, but you can find flowers that are magical and so on. Start one of those from seed. You can start it in a little, you know, little small plant pot by your windowsill and start growing those seeds and you will have a deep connection to that plant. You can also work with fresh plant material in your magic. You can pick plants. You could do wild crafting. You could grow them and pick them in your own yard or in a flower box. 
You can work with dried herbs. You know, you can buy herbs that you can't grow in your neighborhood and in your climate. You know, that's one of the things I love about dried herbs is that we can work with plants that maybe are difficult to grow or don't show up in our local area. And so we can work with those magically. Dried herbs are fabulous too because we can burn them. We can add them to spells. We can use them in teas or cooking and so on. So there's a lot that we can do with dried herbs. Fresh herbs can be dried and you can dry your own too. That's another thing that you can do. And then you can use them later. So sometimes when we have a fresh one, we have to use it right away. But if we have a dried one, we can keep it for a year or two before we use it, which is a fantastic way to work. Another way we can work work with um, magical herbs is working with essential oils. So essential oils are the oils from a plant from usually from leaves, flowers, stems, um, those plants, uh, sometimes from roots too, but those plants' essences are distilled, the volatile oils, which are the, usually the fragrance of the plant as well, are distilled down into a very concentrated form. So whenever you work with essential oils, you should always dilute them with a carrier oil of some kind. I don't recommend putting pure essential oil on your skin or um, using it because it's very strong. It's very potent. It's very concentrated. So using that essential oil, you can make oils with it. You can add it to other things like a bath. Um, You can use it as a scent, but always dilute it when you're going to use it. You dilute it with water in your bath or dilute it in oil if you're going to put it on your skin. We can use tinctures. So tinctures are herbal material that has been soaked in alcohol, and the tincture is the alcohol with the herbal essences in it. A great example of a tincture is gin, believe it or not. (laughs) Gin, the the booze, is a alcohol with herbs in it. That's what gives it that fragrance. You smell the juniper berries. You can smell some other herbs. If you check out a bottle of Bombay gin, for example, you'll see all the herbs that are listed. Well, you can make your own tinctures as well. So you can take an alcohol and you can use the tincture either by taking it medicinally if it's a safe herb that you've created, and I would recommend doing your research before you eat any herbs, by the way, or put them in your mouth. But you can make a tincture. You can use those tinctures in lots of different ways. You can also buy prepared tinctures. All the health food stores have them, you know, those kind of places. You can find tinctures and you can find them online. Hydrosols and water. So rose water, orange flower water, um, hydrosols are the byproduct of getting the essential oil out of the plant. They use water and that water has the fragrance. It's not as concentrated as an essential oil, but it definitely has that fragrance. So we have beautiful rose water and orange flower water at the Parlor of Wonders that you can use in your magic. Rose water is great for love and beauty. Orange flower water is great for commitments and love as well. So those are examples of hydrosols that you can use. You can also work with teas and work on your herbs in making teas and potions, right? So we have potions and potion making kits at the Parlor of Wonders, which are herbs that you create into teas and they're all safe and edible herbs and completely organic and really very, very good for you. And so you can take those teas and make those teas, bless them, ask them to help you in your magic and then drink them or serve them to someone else. You can also take teas and add them to your bath water. That's another beautiful way of working with teas that people don't think about, but you can use those potions that way as well. Of course, we can use our herbs in cooking and you have a whole cupboard full of magical herbs that you can work with. 
grocery stores have them. All those herbs that are up on the shelf have a magical purpose and are very often used in cooking magical foods. So you can do that as well. And another great way to work with herbs and plants. We have powders, you know, you can buy or create, if you have a mortar and pestle, you can make your own powders and you can use those in your magic. You can buy powdered herbs as well. We've got a beautiful powdered rose petal that I love this powder so much. It smells like roses. It smells so good. And it's a beautiful powder that you can add to your magic and use in your spells, whether it's a candle spell or you're making your own sachet powder. It's a gorgeous one, but we've got lots of different powders, alfalfa powder, um, Queen Elizabeth root powder. I mean, you name it, we've got the powder for it. So we just got in, actually, it's not up yet, but we just got master of the woods powder. I'll put that up. I'll try and get that up this week. So there's lots of powders that are already pre-powdered for you, or you can get a mortar and pestle or grinder of some kind and make your own powder. Roots can be used as curios. We have lots of roots at the Parlor of Wonders. We've got Angelica root, Queen Elizabeth root. We've got um, Calamus root. We've got High John the Conqueror root. We've got all kinds of roots that you can use as curios. So you can wrap them in a little piece of flannel or put them in a mojo bag or um, just carry them as they are, wrap string around them. There's lots of ways that you can work with roots. We've got lots of roots that you can carry with you as a charm or place on an altar. Beautiful way to work with plant material in that way for your magic. You can take leaves off of plants, um, flowers that you pick, you can use seeds. All of these things can be used in your magic, fresh or dried. So these are all ways that you can bring beautiful plants into your spells. Now, so how do you start working with these herbs magically? If you've never worked with herbs magically, I recommend that you get a book on herbal magic. We have lots of great books at the Parlor of Wonders telling you about herbal magic, and you can start there. And I also recommend that if you're going to start doing wild crafting, wild crafting is picking herbs and plants out in the wild, that you start educating yourself. You don't want to pick an endangered plant. You don't want to pick a poisonous plant, right? So learn about the plants in your area if you're going to do wild crafting. If you're in your backyard, you know what the plants are, but if you're out in the wild, you may not know what they are. So you can do that. Now, there's a great little tool that we have at the shop called the Edible Wild Food Cards. Edible Wild Food Cards. These are a deck of playing cards that have information about edible plants. And they have a little keychain on them. So you can hook them onto the keychain and then you could take this little deck and find these plants that are edible plants and it helps you identify them and what they're used for medicinally and as an eating plant and so on. So that's a fun one to use if you are into wild crafting and finding plants out there. Another thing I recommend is to, as I mentioned before, start growing some plants in your home or your garden. If you grow the plants, they are very magical because you've got your energy with them. You put your love into those plants. You developed a relationship with those plants. It's really going to have a lot of magical potency in that way. Now, we can't grow everything where we are. So, you know, dried herbs are great for getting things that aren't necessarily easy to grow or readily available, but you can definitely grow some magical herbs and plants around your home. Grow a plant from seed. That whole process of watching it come up and nurturing that little baby plant is such a beautiful, deep way to connect to the plant kingdom. Also, connect to the plants out there that you find out in the world, not necessarily picking them, but just connecting to them. There's something called plant blindness, which is the fact that 
as humans, we don't see plants. We go on our day, we don't see and notice the plants around us, the trees, the grass, the plants. We normally don't notice them. So start paying attention to all of the plants around you, whether they're magical plants, which all plants are magical, but traditionally magical plants or not. Pay attention to those plants, look at them, smell them, admire them. If it's something you're not familiar with, maybe find out if it's okay to touch or smell, but most plants and, you know, urban areas, suburban areas are going to be safe. If you're out in the wild, be a little more careful. Now, when you have plants in your home, start talking to your plants, listening to your plants. I mean, sit with them and let them tell you things. They will tell you things if you sit quietly. If you're out wild crafting, collect those herbs respectfully. Don't take a plant in your neighbor's yard unless you talk to your neighbor and ask if it's okay. That's the first thing. Second thing, ask the plant if it's okay. Most of the time, plants will say it's okay to pick a piece of the plant. Never take more than 25% of the plant, though. Don't decimate a plant. A plant can survive with 90% of it removed. You know, we've seen that. You pull up a weed and then a weed comes back again, right? But We don't want to stress the plants out in that way. It's not nice. It's not a good thing to do. So if it's something that you are taking a root, yes, you're going to have to take the whole plant. But if it's something that you're taking the leaves or the flowers, just take about 25% and leave 75% there. Never, never, never take an endangered plant. If you're out wild crafting, make sure that you're not taking a plant that's an endangered plant. So identify the plant before you start you know, taking the leaves and so on. We don't want to decimate our plant species or throw things out of whack. Now, when you have those plants, whether they're dried herbs that you've purchased or plants that you've picked or plants that you've grown, you can start adding them to your magic by whispering your intentions to them. So you could take that piece of rosemary that you picked from your garden. I've got a rosemary plant that Judy gave me. (laughs) I love my rosemary plant. So you take that rosemary plant in your garden and you say, hi, rosemary. Thank you for helping me. Um, Please help others and myself to see me as beautiful. Rosemary, one of Rosemary's qualities is a beauty spell, right? You can work with it in beauty spells. So please help others and myself to see me as beautiful. Thank you, Rosemary. And then use the Rosemary in your spell. Or you could find some juniper berries and say, thank you, or juniper stems or dry them and start using them for, you know, sensing around your home. So you could burn that dried juniper branch and say, thank you, juniper, for cleansing my space from all negativity and unwanted energy. So there you go. Once you've asked and spoken to your plant and asked what you'd like it to help you with, then you use it. You burn it, you add it to the tea, you put it in the food, you sprinkle it around your candle and so on. So there you go. That's the way that you use plants magically and how important plants are in our magic. So that about does it for this episode of Magic and the Law of Attraction. And if you would like to get more info about magic and spells, then check out the learn page over at parlorofwonders.com where you will find a ton of free resources, including workshops, blog posts, how-to guides, how-to videos, past podcast episodes, And you will also find the way to join me live over Zoom for the Magic Q&A Tea Party every Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. Just go to parlorofwonders.com, click on the Learn tab to see all the goodies there. I want to say a huge thank you to all the Spell Squad members out there who have been 
subscribing to this podcast and have shared it with their friends. And big, big love to the fabulous folks who have left reviews on those podcatchers. Those reviews really help get the word out to the wider world about the podcast, and I appreciate you taking the time to do them. I want to say a big thank you to Jill Navarre for production and engineering and monitoring my microphone. And thank you to Manfred Hofer for announcing. And thank you to you for joining me, whether you're joining me here live or you're listening to the podcast. I'm looking forward to next week when we'll be learning about what are the differences between wishes and intentions. Oh my gosh, perfect thing for the end of the year. Until next time, this is Madame Pamita saying, keep making your life the most magical adventure ever. Yeah.